Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Path Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here this morning on the Inclusive Class is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, even if it says so on the Blog Talk Radio page. Um, and I still, After all this time, I am still not comfortable bringing people on and talking to them, so I am wimping out again this week. Um, as we're sitting here, uh, we're talking just before we came on the air about graduations. It's a graduation in my town today. We have, like, the latest graduation possible every year, it seems. Uh, what, you know, they're going to be graduating in July eventually. It just gets ridiculous. <laughs> but um, um, the you know, one thing, it's, it's difficult for me to believe that it's been a year since my son graduated. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that seemed like such an enormous thing, and yet here we are a year later. He's got a year of college under his belt. He's done well with it. He's passed all his classes, and uh, it's yeah. been hard. But, uh, you know, we really didn't know at this time last year whether this was something that was at all realistic. And yeah, uh, it has been. So, you know, inclusion worked for yeah. him, and it's working for him now in college, and it's really been inspiring to see at his college how many kids with disabilities there are uh, just to be in college students and getting yeah. around and uh, doing their thing. It's been interesting because I sit there with him. Uh, I, and I sit there at the school all day, and he checks in with me at various times. And I, I feel like lately other kids have been checking in with me too. <laughs> so it's yeah, start yeah. being the, you know, the college mom that, that all, yeah. the, all the kids with special needs, they just kind of need to, to touch base with the mom. <laughs> I'm there That's at the great. table. But, yeah. uh, and now uh, with the graduation today, my son's friend is graduating and has – sort of, you know, has had less of an inclusive road uh, and is now looking at not very many inclusive options at all. Right. And it just makes me really think that, you know, as much as I wish we were further along in the school aspect of inclusion, it just really seems like we're still fighting the same fights we fought 10 or 12 years ago when I started this with my daughter. But where we really haven't figured the road out so much is what happens after high school. For kids who are able to go to college, there does seem to be some progress. I certainly see it at my son's school. But for ones for whom that is not a realistic option, boy, they just really fall off a cliff, you know. And we Hmm. work so hard to say it's important for everybody to be included. It's important for everybody to be together. That can't end (laughs) with graduation. That can't be, well, thank you. Thank you for playing. (laughs) Go off to your uh, your your sheltered workshop or your, you know, 
excluded mm-hmm. uh, place. So that's a big challenge, and I see a lot of conversations. I see it uh, uh, between uh, parents with kids with special needs online lately about not wanting our kids to be pitied and wanting our kids to be, you know, fully included. And that's great, but if there's nothing for them afterwards, that's not a viable <laughs> model. Option. So yeah. uh, you know, I yeah. challenge everybody listening to even as we're fighting these fights today for when our kids are in school, to be thinking to the next step. Uh, you know, this is not. This can't just be a 12-year experiment, and then we go and off our separate ways. It has to go on from there. So I step yeah. off my soapbox now, and let's uh, <laughs> talk about our guest. Yeah. <laughs> Many thoughts on yeah. my head today. Lots of good things, though, and enjoy the graduation yeah. ceremonies. I, I know Thank that you. it will be long and hot and boring. <laughs> Yeah, but inspiring yeah. in some small way. Inspiring, too. I mean, this is your son's friend, too, right? So Yes, yes, be it will be. It is inspiring thought. for him and for his yeah. parents, although yeah. also somewhat terrifying. So, uh, you know, the, I know, the celebratory part of it is great, but the this is the end of everything we've known and everything we've worked for, and we have no idea what's coming next. That part is a little hard. I was in those shoes last year thinking. Yeah, wondering oh what's going to Oh, my gosh, is going to work out. Yeah, so, I can't um, believe it's been a year already. It's I gone by so it fast. Is. It and really has. So many even even my son so says, it's gone by so fast. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great, so, though. I mean, lots of successes this past year, so uh, yeah. yeah, it's great to reflect on that. And actually, I just, as I was listening to you talk about what's next for the, many of these kids, it reminds me of a blog that... I came across recently called Life After IEPs. I don't know if you've ever yes, seen I've that Yes, I've seen one. that blog. That is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have a. I haven't had a chance to really go through it, but I'm gonna have a look at it now because you've got me thinking. What happens <laughs> next for a lot of <laughs> these yeah. kids? Yeah, push it all the way through school, and then all uh-huh. of a sudden, uh-huh. goodbye. See you later. Like you said, yeah. thanks for playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, and especially if you've been used to being included, it's hard, you know, because they see their peers going on to things that they're not. But anyway, that's right? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, but we're going to uh, get on track here and get on to our um, interview this morning. And like I said, speaking of playing and inclusion. We're actually going to be talking about a, an interesting topic today that we haven't broached on before, and that is inclusive playgrounds. Uh, we've talked about ways to include kids in programs, ways to include kids in community activities outside of school and in school, but we haven't really talked about ways to include kids on the school playground or in a community playground And one of the things that really facilitates that inclusion is the physical structure of the playground. Mm -hmm. And our expert today, Mara Kaplan, is going to talk to us about inclusive playgrounds and what needs to exist and what kinds of structures need to be there in order to facilitate that inclusion. So um, I'd like to welcome Mara Kaplan to the show. Good morning, Mara. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, before I ask you your questions, I just wanted to give the audience a brief background about you. Uh, you're an educator, an advocate, and a parent of a child with profound disabilities. And I understand that you've had more than 17 years of experience reviewing toys and designing playgrounds. And you have a company or a business called Let Kids Play, which designs inclusive playgrounds, reviews, and recommends toys 
and you also edit the website accessibleplayground.net, which includes a comprehensive listing of accessible playgrounds in North America. That's fabulous. I didn't even know that existed, so that's wonderful for a resource for parents. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to that, Mara, or have I summed I up for you? I think you did a good job. <laughs> good. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to start with a really basic question because I didn't give this a lot of thought personally myself before we uh, came across this topic, but aren't all playgrounds inclusive, wouldn't you say? Or, I mean, obviously they're not because your job is to make them more inclusive, but for somebody who's just, uh, you know, walking onto a playground area or onto a school field and looking at the playground setup itself, are they generally not designed for most kids? Um, they, If they are older, then they don't even meet the current ADA standards. Um, now, if you think that ADA is enough for inclusion, then newer playgrounds uh, may make the bill. However, unless there is specific design considerations of a playground, it doesn't support um, all of our kids, um, whether it's physically, um, emotionally, socially. Um, we need to think about where we place equipment, um, what equipment we put in, uh, and things like that to be able to really support um, and encourage our children to be able to play with others. And I like how you brought up the aspect that it's not just a physical uh, well, you were saying that it was not just a physical um, means or, or would not just a way to support physical uh, inclusion but also social and emotional, and I hope that we'll touch on that more later because that's a really good point. When it comes to inclusion, it's not just the physical aspect of it. There's an entire, you know, entire other arena that we need to look at, too, for these kids in terms of their development. Now, what should parents be looking for when they're looking for an inclusive playground? What do they need to be on the lookout for? Um, well, I think there are a couple of things, and it's interesting because most of it that I talk about isn't equipment-based, which is what people think that it should mm -hmm. be. Um, first of all, you want to look for a playground with what we call synthetic surfacing, whether that's tiles or turf or what we call porn plates, which is that puffy uh, stuff you, you step on. That mm -hmm. makes it um, a really universal playground. It means people with babies can easily push their strollers, people using wheelchairs can get across, and people who have children who pick things up uh, are not putting things in their mouths that we really don't want them to. Mm -hmm. uh, the engineered wood fiber, the wood mulch that um, does meet ADA if it's maintained and raked, um, really doesn't promote enough of inclusion. I get my son's wheelchair stuck in wood mulch all of the time. Mm -hmm. It does mm -hmm. meet ADA, and it is a less expensive option, but... I have seen, and I, many parents have told me that they have children who with autism or a two-year-old who just picks up that wood mulch and puts it in their mouth, and that's yep. just yucky. Yeah. Um, so you want to look for that kind of surfacing. The other type of thing you want to look for is a fence that surrounds the whole playground um, because mm -hmm. we have plenty of children uh, who are runners, and we want to make sure that they're safe in this environment. And 
again, it's all about universal design. My uh, sister has a set of twins, and when they were three, she would only go to playgrounds with fences because they would run and go in two different directions, and she couldn't go both places. <laughs> uh, so yeah. a fence makes it so that children can play more independently um, without a parent hovering. Right. Another good thing is an orientation path, a wide even path that goes all the way around the playground so that a child can walk all the way around the playground and get a full look at everything that there is before they decide they want to engage in the play. And they can decide when they want to engage in the play, and it makes it easier for them to get out of the play when they um, get overwhelmed. So uh, those are my three favorite things. And then you want to start to look for equipment-based things. Mm -hmm. Are there things that support uh, movement? Because it, uh, spinning and swinging and rocking are really important for our kids. Um, and so are those things on the playground? Are there pieces of equipment that offer more support for a child who doesn't have good trunk control. So is there a swing that's like a bucket swing? Are there uh, backs on seesaws? Um, those pieces uh, provide that kind of support. And then are there pieces that children who cannot leave a wheelchair uh, can um, participate in? And then do we have things that support sensory exploration, and uh, do we have places that you can escape and regroup and come and join the play again? Wow. You've touched on so many aspects that I wouldn't even think of when I'm looking at a playground, and it makes me realize how uh, not inclusive so many school playgrounds are. <laughs> yes, school playgrounds <laughs> are notoriously oh not good Playgrounds, and you will also often see kids walking the perimeter of yeah. the playground. And when people, when you ask people, they'll say, "Oh, see, they just want to be by themselves. They're do getting exercise isn't that yeah. great." But often it's because the kid isn't being supported to know how to enter the play and right. is really isolating themselves. Um, and so we might be inclusive inside the classroom, but then as soon as we hit recess, uh, it's a segregated environment. It's a whole different story. That's so, mm -hmm. so interesting. Now, what is the inclusive play design guide? That um, is it a manual that you refer to, or is it yes, guidelines? Yes, it is. I had the privilege of working with a very diverse group of uh, parents and professionals. Um, there was an expert in child development, an expert in playground design and landscape design, physical therapy, uh, sensory processing disorder, um, and we worked together under the support of Playworld Systems, which is a playground manufacturer who wanted to support this. And mm -hmm. uh, the guide is really wonderful because it's not a sales tool. It is really about ha these issues around inclusive play. And mm -hmm. it gives you an in-depth way of a community group to start looking at the issues around make small Choices if, you know, that's all you can do, or make large choices if you uh, can, you know, start from scratch and have some some money. And um, this really walks you through all 
of the issues. Uh, There's a section on planning um, and who to get involved, and then there's a section about layout and access, and then one on play richness, which talks about all the different types of play and how you can make those more inclusive, a section on selecting equipment and placing that equipment, and then the support features, because we so well know as parents that if there aren't good benches, uh, we're not going to stay very long Mm -hmm. at that playground because you know you know okay on board let's go kids so there's a whole section on how to provide the support features so that families want to stay at the playground yeah and you can get the inclusive play um design guide for free um at my website letkidsplay.com uh follow the links for accessible playgrounds and it will take you right to be able to download um this document and it's it really is um a wonderful uh resource for communities that are looking at inclusive play it sounds like something schools should have as well Absolutely. PTAs should definitely look at this Mm -hmm. because there are certain strategies you can do that in an existing playground you might be able to -hmm. to change and implement if you're adding one piece of equipment. Um, And there are certainly ways to promote inclusion without spending any additional money. Uh, Additional Mm -hmm. money is always good because you can make it even (laughs) better. But there are ways of putting things in with the exact same equipment you were going to pick before but just rotating them around so that they support children more often. Um, Often I get groups that say, well, let's put an autism corner together. I know that they like cozy (laughs) places, and I know they like musical instruments, and I know that they like things that spin. So let's put all those three things together. And and I have to say, well, first of all, that's not really supporting inclusion if you're calling it the autism corner. But secondly, putting the cozy place where you want to go to regroup next to the musical instruments it's just not very smart. Yeah. You would need to put that cozy place someplace where it's quiet. So yeah. it's those types of decisions. I'm going to still buy the same three pieces of equipment, but let's place them a little bit strategically. Right, right. Great yeah. information. That's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. What can we do to make playgrounds interesting for all children? Well, it's, this is a really important thing. Often when we create um, what we call accessible or inclusive playgrounds. They are Mm -hmm. ramped mazes, and I call them ramps to nowhere. You know, it doesn't get very high off the ground because ramps are expensive and it takes a long Uh time to get high enough, so you need a really big space. Um, Yes. And and they're boring. So if you are typically developing and you're at this playground, you're bored instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Now, you could have fun yeah. running up and down the ramps, but after a while, uh-huh. there's no challenge on this playground for you. Too easy. Yeah. And a really good inclusive playground is offering challenge for all kids so that mm-hmm. there might be three spinning activities and each one gets a little bit harder. And they're all placed mm-hmm. together, so we're all spinning at the same time. But it becomes right. more and more challenging the more... Uh, you're able to balance the more that you're able to move on your own. And and we want to look at that for all different types of play. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I imagine the the, uh, the the fairly tame ramps and stuff get boring boring for the kid in the wheelchair too at some point. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <laughs> because especially if you can't like, transfer out of that wheelchair, what are you doing yeah. up there? You know, you might have a plain tic-tac-toe play panel, but woohoo, that's not very much fun. Whereas if we have um, what are called gliders, which Mm -hmm. is a piece of equipment that uh, a child in a wheelchair can roll onto and lots of typical kids can get on, and between them they make it rock and move back and forth, well, then we've created a pretend play place. We've created an inclusive place, someplace that all kids are having fun. Mm-hmm. So much better use of money than a bunch of ramps. Yes, yes, that's yeah. true. It's uh, it's something that you have to really think through, and I'm sure lots of communities go into it with enthusiasm, but not, you know, a lot of thinking about what really works for kids and what really works for kids with all different interests and all different, you know, not every kid with special needs wants exactly the same playground. So, no, of uh, course not. They're, they're when kids. You see one of these, it's sad when you see one of these little things, and it's obviously that a lot of, you know, heart has gone into it, but it's just this inert <laughs> bunch of ramps with, a, like you said, with little number puzzle. So it's like, well, you know, after the first two times you go on that, you're really ready to go to the playground over there that, you know, you could fall off and hurt something. So Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what kids, a lot of kids like to do. Um, right, and there is a whole issue between risk and safety. But um, yeah. if you've got a good safety servicing, offer ch- offering children risk, children of all abilities, yes. uh, to mm-hmm. risk at their own developmental level is a really important growth strategy because if you can risk on a playground, then you can risk in a social situation and you can risk yeah. in a work situation. And it's important for for mm. kids with disabilities to have that opportunity for risk too. You know, they they Absolutely. are even more covered with a safety. <laughs> right. We do not give them enough chances to be independent and enough chances yeah. to uh, fall down, uh, whether that's right. you know physically or any other way. And it's just mm-hmm. as important for them as it is for typically developing children. And we wrap we wrap our typically developing children these days in bubble wrap, and yeah. we're just even worse mm-hmm. for our kids with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really are. But uh, yeah. so it's you know it's great if we can think of ways to make these playgrounds both. Yeah, I always talk with my with my son about you know you want to give them the opportunity of risk with a really good safety net underneath, so you know, <laughs> so they have the illusion of risk at any rate. Absolutely. Uh, so that's that's great if we can build that into these playgrounds, and we have the benches nearby where you can watch everything. Right, and, exactly, uh, and where sure you place having... the benches is really important because uh, you know when it's the slightly older kid-type equipment, you want to put the um, benches a little bit further away. And when it's young kid stuff, you want to put uh, the benches closer in. So people don't Mm -hmm. even think, you know, at that level. No, right. Such a great point. Yeah. Uh, Where can people go to find out uh, about uh, playgrounds in their community? I suppose they would know about playgrounds. As you mentioned before, I um, I have a directory. Um, it's on accessibleplayground.net. Um, it's done uh, by state and by province, and so you can go in and look in your state. Um, you can also search by different types of playgrounds. 
but people need to know that I've not been to all these playgrounds. I do research (laughs) and I read what's on them. And if you Uh go and you determine that it is that I am wrong and it is not an inclusive playground, you should send Mm -hmm. me an email at Mara at Let Kids Play and let me know. Um, because um, I'm only as good as what people share with me. There's also Mm -hmm. the ability to go on and add your own playgrounds. And so if you know of a splash pad that is specific, you know, specifically, uh, you know, really inclusive or a great playground um, or a great mm-hmm. carousel, um, please go and add that um, to our list because we are so much stronger when we do it together. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, and um, also, you know, I would imagine to keep up on these places, do they do these kinds of playgrounds require, like, more maintenance than the average playground? Do they get more... Um, wear and tear or more dangerous uh, conditions on them than the average playground? I'm thinking about ramps as opposed to, like, metal steps. Um, no, they they don't. Um, playgrounds are typically designed to last about 10 years, um, yeah. especially if you put the synthetic surfacing in. What really mm-hmm. is the time-consuming and maintenance is maintaining your wood mulch. Um, your mm-hmm. mo- mo- wood mulch needs to be constantly raked and replenished. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to safety, um, wood mulch is a great safety surface as long as it's maintained. But we all know that it gets kicked out under the swings and at the bottom <laughs> oh, of the yeah. slides. And yeah. it needs to be continually maintained. Otherwise, we lose uh, not only the any accessibility that there is with it, but we mm-hmm. lose the safety structure with it. Yeah. So um, it's really the cost um, for synthetic surfacing is up front, but then you don't have the long-term maintenance right. costs with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, what steps should a member of the community take to advocate for an inclusive playground in their neighborhood? Well, uh, the first things you want to do is you want to pull a group of people together so it's not you. You know, we're always better in numbers. Uh, You want to think about um, as wide of a group of people as you can. Often this gets Mm -hmm. started by a family who has a child with spina bifida or cerebral Mm -hmm. palsy, you know, who physically cannot go to a playground. But if you want, you know, everything that we've talked about, you want to start pulling in the autism groups. You want to pull in Mm -hmm. grandparents groups. You want to pull in twins groups. Anything Mm -hmm. that you think of people that would have an affinity for what you believe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you want to figure out who's who's in charge here. Um, if it's a school playground, does the PTA have all of the power? Does the principal, is it the superintendent, is it the school board? Who do you need to go to to advocate? Um, mm-hmm. And in any community, it could be any of those people or a combination of those people. Um, in a community, it could be the city council, it could be the mayor, it could be a parks and recs department, could be a park mm-hmm. district. So you've got some research ahead of you to figure yeah. out who who controls these things. And uh-huh. then you want to get the facts. Um, you need mm-hmm. to know everything there is about inclusive playgrounds so that when the, they ask the questions, you know what you're talking about. So right. what does an inclusive playground mean? What are the advantages for all of our children? 
And who mm-hmm. in the community is going to benefit? You know, when you start throwing out that 20% of this community has a special needs, which is about the yeah. statistic we look at, uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. politicians start paying a little bit more attention, especially when you start <laughs> saying, well, we've got 20%, but none of those people live in a vacuum. They have right. parents, they have siblings, they have uh, children, and all of those people benefit when we're talking about an inclusive playground. Um, and uh, you can, again, visit Let Kids Play, and I have a list of articles and research about the benefits of play and inclusion that people can use to write a good fact sheet um, good. Uh, for what they're doing. Um, and then, you know, you put a good fact sheet together, build your alliances and coalitions, and mm-hmm. begin to advocate. And what you're looking for is uh, a group of, you know, whoever's in power to be able to give you some land. Um, yeah. And and whatever, and you want them to be able to maintain it uh, into the long run. Your group may end up having to say, hey, we'll fundraise for it and we'll help design yeah. it, but we want you to take it over at the end. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's sort of the, the steps a lot of the communities take. Yeah. that's. It's great that you have that resource online that people can go to to start to, you know, to figure out what they need to do to uh, advocate for that. Oh, and that's our school bell saying that unfortunately we have to wrap up our conversation for today but this has been some really great information for people and mm-hmm. something that's certainly very very much needed both on awareness that this uh, stuff exists and the need to start putting it into practice so yeah. thank you so much Mara for being our guest today Thank you. Uh, and I would like to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning uh, please note that we won't be having a show next week we are going to sleep late after July 4th And we will return on July 12th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time with Carol Quirk from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. Mara, are you on Twitter? I am at Let Kids Play. Okay, that's easy to remember. Thank you. Uh, And finally, you can download uh, our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.